Say, don't forget, Uncle Sam still needs those used fads. Needs them more than ever for munitions and military medicines. So save every drop. Most meats aren't rationed now, so you can double or even triple your used fat savings. So do that, won't you? Save used fats and turn them into your butcher immediately. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Dust HQ. Tonight we are graced by the likes of Jared and Captain Brian. And we're bringing you something new, special, and cool tonight. We're going to be talking about terrain. Making terrain, using terrain, transporting terrain, storing terrain, all that good stuff. Uh, it's something that uh, is vital on, the ba- on any battlefield. And definitely something that not only spices up the look of your boards and of the mats and, and the scenarios that you're playing, but also uh, adds that extra level of storytelling or theme or just all kinds of good stuff. So you can't overlook terrain, and we're here to help you guys figure out how to get some great terrain in your games. So kicking it off, guys, what are your just initial thoughts? Well, thank you for having us back. Uh, it's always cool to be with you guys and uh, talking a little hobby shop. Uh, it's been a big thing for me. I've uh, I've always been fascinated with world building. You know, I, I love to, to to deck it out. You know, maybe some of it came from being in retail early on and building displays and trying to you know capture people's attention. Uh, so I've I felt like in my hobby career, I've probably made 10 times the amount of terrain that I have of actually building and painting my figures for my forces. Very cool, very cool. I uh, grew up as a kid, you know, when I first started gaming. Uh, Everybody came to me to play, so I kind of had to have everything. Um, And uh, as a kid, you don't really have a lot of money going around, especially after picking up an army here and there. So I had to kind of scrounge around the house and kind of figure out how to put some stuff together and make it look interesting. And that's um that's one thing that we that we wanted to touch on definitely is you know you get all these great ideas and you have a great time you know uh, building the scenery and coming up with the design and how you want the look and feel to go so it can be really immersive for you and you get in the middle of your project and about halfway through it kind of hits you as you're looking around and you go whoa um where am I gonna put this thing? So something to definitely think about when you're making your terrain, uh, when you say, Jared, is just uh, how you want to store that stuff and, and what you're, you don't forget to think about that before you start making it. Yeah, it turns into a wicked way, you know, because you, you have to ask yourself, are you, is this for a special event? Like you're, you're going to have everybody over at your house and it's going to be this thing and we're going to play on and is it going to become a centerpiece? Is it going to go to the back and forth to conventions or to, to games, you know, stores in the neighborhood? Because uh, you don't want to skip. I mean, if you're going to put all this work and, and this energy into building it and you are going to move it around, don't get cheap at the wrong time. Make sure you've got the right um, case or um, and, and 
dunnage. I mean, you got to think about, you don't want it sliding around. So you want it packed in there safe. Um, you don't always have to go and get custom foam cut for you. You can find a lot of things in the house and nearby to, you know, get to where you need to be and, you know, keep it on, keep it on a button. But yeah, it's, you definitely want to think about, you know, where you're going to keep it and how you're going to get around if you are to keep it mobile. The, uh, uh, of course, and obviously too is it's. I'm I'm old, so I I'm analog. I, I break out a sheet of graph paper, and I start sketching what I want it to be, or what you know how I want it to lay it all out. If it's going to be multiple pieces, or say a table or scenario, something like that, and then I start from there. Once I have that 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 image. Then I start, you know, saying, okay, I can use this, or I can use that, or I, I, you know, I specifically want, you know, this to be somewhat connected or things of that nature. Oh yeah, I, de I definitely second the, the sketchbook concept. Uh, I picked up a small sketchbook, and I think I have like four or five of them now. Where, um, you know, for me, when I'm commuting or or just sitting around and I get an idea, I want to just sketch something down, and it doesn't have to be good. It can literally be a, a square with a bunch of lines and, you know, some notes off to the side of what this circle means and what this kind of means. Um, doesn't have to be a lot of detail, but kind of gives you a, uh, an idea or a plan to work off of so that you're not just kind of making things up as you go. Um, and that's got to be a, a real, um, that's got to be one of the worst things to, to run into is uh, like feature creep. So as you're building, you add something else and you add something else and you add something else. And before you know it, you've been working on a small project for three weeks and it's not done yet. So having your timeline kind of set and really setting out exactly what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and then stick to your plan. And if you get other ideas, hey, that's awesome. I get ideas all the time. Jot them down on the side. See if it's going to like impact what you're trying to accomplish or not, or set it up as a separate project to do it at a separate time. So that you're not just constantly working on something, you actually get something done that you can you can put in a game and play with it. So that that kind of leads me to my question then of what what is inspiring you to create this in the first place, and how do you decide what pieces you're going to make? Because obviously there's going to be a lot of things that you a lot of different ideas you may come up with, but ultimately, as we all know, we only have so much time, so much money for materials so much space, whatever it is, right? So we kind of want to pinpoint the the projects that we're going to be uh, doing. Oh, absolutely. You know, I um, I will say there's a couple, probably two main veins you can look at this, um, and, and Jared, jump in anytime. You know, one is the general use stuff. People are going to want a couple of generic buildings or some trees or, you know, some hedgerows or you know, just some basic concept items that you can throw out there is just some random, just to have something like um, Unisha to throw on the table, just to like make it look interesting, right? Um, and then I see the other side of it is for me, very scenario driven. So if there's a, a scenario that I'm, I'm picking up, whether it's one that I download from our newsletter, um, please subscribe, dustusa.com, grab the newsletter, it's awesome. Uh, Either one of those scenarios, or if it's um, you know a scenario from the rule book or a scenario from one of the campaign books, and you read through the scenario and, and you just get some, hey, this is a setting. I want to try to recreate something similar to this setting. It might be a river piece that's really interesting, and you want to try some ideas of making river. Um, 
It may be building a bridge or two. So you have something that's unique and, and fun that goes uh, with the scenario. No, absolutely. Uh, for me, a lot of my inspiration uh, either comes from movies that I'm a fan of, video games, and downright stealing ideas from other people. Uh, oh, yeah. Case in, <laughs> case in point, stealing from Brian. I love to steal from Brian. Uh, uh, comes up with some great ideas. Uh, you know, and I flat out ripped him off uh, from Adepticon uh, in the previous year. I really, really enjoyed the train scenario. So we, um, we kicked off our, our dust group in April of last year and only uh myself and chris were at adepticon and, and we recruited a bunch of folks when we came home from adepticon so i want to say it was like early summer we had our first dust day and we were frantically building terrain from april till that time so we could flush out tables and we had, everyone brought their game mats so we were good there but we still needed to put stuff on the table and i was we were searching for like well what we, you know we're building this train we're building this train what are we going to do for scenarios and i was like well these folks haven't been to adepticon so they haven't seen brian's scenarios so we're going to take brian's scenarios we're going to give them a little twist you know give them a little mass and magic dust sprinkle on them and put our version out so I, I fell in love with the train scenario immediately when I saw it. And I wanted to do the island, but we weren't quite ready to pull that one off. We didn't have enough time to go and get all the stuff we would need to do it. So we definitely took the train scenario and we just turned it into 3D um, and based off of the model we were shown at Adepticon. So that's super cool. Uh, no, we, we had a big time with it. And now that we've we've printed it, and painted it we have it forever so we can do all the trains we want to do from here on out so they are they're 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 packed away in my rolling case of uh, terrain <laughs> <laughs> i've also pulled some inspiration from time to time from uh, just artwork around the game itself you know there may be like a, a snapshot of a setting a couple of guys leaned up against a building looking around a corner and from that you can kind of go well that's either a bunker they're looking around or some, some building areas that they were kind of decimated here and there a little bit and can give you a little bit of a, a story that it wants to drive where you want to go with some of your scenery. And it's not hard. Um, scenery from home is actually really easy to do. Uh, it just takes a little bit of imagination and uh, you can pretty much find everything around your house can become a piece of scenery, believe it or not. I mean, I, and I will say, you know, at one point it is true, if you've heard the rumors, uh, we did play a game of dust over a pile of oranges. Uh, I'm sorry, it was, it was peaches. It was most oh, definitely peaches. peaches. Right. I'm sorry, you are correct. It was peaches and we had, what was it? Uh, I think it was a lime was our objective. And then suddenly the lime went flying into the other room. <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, put, put a spin on things there. <laughs> mission mission update. <laughs> I'm starting to think the scurvy might be setting in on you pirates. Okay. <laughs> well, it was it was it was a really good time just improvising with whatever you had at the time. But um, I mean, everybody kind of you think about it. Your paper towel tubes, your toilet paper tubes are really great for scenery pieces. Whether you cut them and fold them, um, 
you know, small boxes, packing materials, but even like empty bottles. You can use empty soda cans. You can use uh, like an oatmeal container um, is a really great, if you prime it black like you do your, you know, prime it like you do your models. I like doing black. It just kind of hides a lot of the stuff. Um, it's very easy to add one or two details to it. Get a, some poster board, you know, the real flimsy poster board stuff and, and cut a couple of strips in and put around one around the top and one around the bottom. And if you kind of brush some silver over the black, you now have a silo. Well, and just like that, out of nowhere, you've got a piece of terrain that was a little bit of spray paint, a little bit of glue, and a little bit of dry brushing that you do on your models. And boom, I, I actually have a pretty decent scenery piece sitting right here. Well, and that's super true because particularly there's there's going to be you're you're going to make different levels of terrain quality, if you will, right? Based on the purpose of that terrain. For instance, uh, I believe it was was it Adepticon last year, Brian, that you were cutting all of the uh, water effects with blue felt. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so for something like so for something like that where we're doing a dust day at a show, right? We don't you're not gonna have the time to make the most intricate piece of terrain, something that's going to be used over and over and over again for years and years and years and really hold up and be super durable. But you need something that's going to fulfill the purpose of that scenario, be able to recreate it twelve to twenty times and have it look good enough that it fills that purpose. Yeah, we used some, uh, I think that year we used some blue silk and went down to a fabric shop. It cost me like four or $5 for several yards. And um, um, one of our patriots, um, Jeff Raquel, his wife was at the show and they lived close by. And so she took the strips that I had and was very, very nice of her. She went and hemmed mm -hmm. them up on her sewing machine so they wouldn't fray as much. Um, and uh, it just, it, it was something that I had started. I kind of ran out of time for and I was going to find somewhere local and she was she was right there and, and really pulled through on that one. So much, very much appreciate that from her. Um, and it was just some blue silk. And the nice thing about it was it was kind of irregular. It took up the space we needed it to. And when you look at it, it actually looked like some nice water. It didn't take anything other than just some sheets of silk. Um, the bridges that we used were a piece, a couple pieces of uh, like some balsa wood and um, made a little bit of frame. And the surface of the bridge was wallpaper. Um, one of my most versatile tools that I will use is a wallpaper called uh, Anaglypta. Anaglypta is textured, paintable wallpaper. And it comes in hundreds of different textures. Um, I like to use bubbles. Um, it's really great for water effects. Uh, you can cut out random shapes of it, uh, brush it with a couple of different blues, dry brush it with some light blue and some white here and there, and boom, now you have a water effect. If you uh, paint it, um, start it with black and then uh, dry brush gray, you can get cobblestone out of it. So you can really use the same texture for a lot of different things depending on the colors that you use to paint it. Um, oh, that's cool. There's a anaglypta that has um, a straw texture, so it's uh, um, when you you can lay that down and, and brush it up brown and, and throw some ink on it, and suddenly you've got a muddy patch. Um, and you can even cut small pieces of it that you you have lying around and add it to the bases of your figures to really kind of tie them into the the some of the terrain features as well. Can you spell that for me? Because I'm going to steal that too. <laughs> anaglypta 
is almost exactly like it sounds, I believe. A-N-A-G-L-Y-P-T-A. Anaglypta. For, for those of you listening at home, if you Google it and find the correct spelling, feel free to send, us to, send oh. that to us. <laughs> <laughs> Anaglypta. That sounds cool. I actually have never heard of that, nor have I ever thought of using wallpaper in making terrain. So that's, that's new to me. That's cool. No, that's learning something new every day because I never would never have thought of that. And because it's paintable wallpaper, um, it actually holds water effects pretty well. So if you paint it and then pour some water effects over the top of it, um, once it's painted, it doesn't really seep through a whole lot, um, especially the water effects that are a little thicker. Um, it'll actually hold up and, and you'll get a really nice like wet patch on top of it, but it doesn't like seep into it and like soak out. Hmm. Yeah, another uh, extremely versatile piece of material that you can use that's everyone has and you can manipulate it quite a bit is cardboard. I've, I've I've made quite a few islands out of cardboard where essentially you just take you take the cardboard and you you take two strips of it. I usually will double layer it. And you want to if you offset it to where the lines go perpendicular instead of parallel on top of each other, you if you offset it perpendicular like that, and then cut them of course the same shape, and then you can kind of shape it a bit. Glue that down with Elmer's glue, and then cover that with spackle for your texture. Then you can paint it, and boom, you got really cheap, easy islands. That's really cool. And yeah, you I'm, can I'm just... a big fan of cardboard myself starting out. Uh, especially in these days, there's lots of Amazon boxes floating around. Now, I, but I am not encouraging you to go find Amazon, Amazon boxes on different doorsteps. I'm saying use the <laughs> ones I, on your own. Absolutely. Um, you can, uh, some of the other scenery that I've made that has been quick and easy. Um, you can, if you can find it, and, and this is one that I, I miss that I, I really kind of kicked myself when I saw it before and didn't grab a bunch of it. Um, there are some aquarium plants and they come on a grid sheet. So you get this like plastic grid with little pegs sticking up and all the aquarium plants are stuck on it, right? And so it, it's made for you to put in your aquarium and put a lot of stone around it and have like a huge patch of the plant sticking up. The plants are relatively small. They're not the big, long, flowy ones there. They're only like two or three inches long at most. But the best part about that is that you pull all the plants off the grid, right? And then you cut the grid to fit on a shape that you want for your scenery. And you, you make your base. You can. I used uh, the ones that I did. I actually used old uh, cereal boxes, and I cut a sheet of it in, in the shape that I wanted. Um, you got to be careful with a lot of the thinner card, though, because as you glue stuff to it and the glue dries, your glue will shrink, and it'll cause your terrain to curl. Um, so you want to be careful about, uh, you know, the, the stiffness of it and even sometimes maybe putting a layer of glue on the bottom of it so that it, when it dries, it kind of curls the wrong way first. And then when you do your scenery on top, it'll curl up a little bit and still kind of lay flat. Um, but you get your shape for your base. You glue the grid down to the top of it. Then you do what you would normally do when you're basing a model. You do your sand, your, your, your sand and gravel or whatever texture you want, glue it all down, paint it all up. And when you're done, you have this base with these pegs sticking up and you take the uh, the green plants and you just pop them in place on the pegs and you suddenly have 
an area of scenery of some kind of plant life. And when you're playing in a game, if you want to put units in it, they just pop right off. Put your units in the middle. When the units move out, you can pop them back in place. That's a super cool idea as well. Well, the nice thing too, yeah. it, a lot a lot of like those aquarium plants or plants that you get from hobby stores, one thing I've noticed a lot with them is they can be kind of that very shiny plastic look. And if that's not something you like, uh, that's an easy fix because you just hit it with the same matte spray. Uh, I use a, I, when I paint my models, a lot of times, or well, every time when I'm finished painting with them, I'll hit them with a gloss spray, so a gloss like varnish protectant. And then afterwards I go back and I'll hit them with a doling matte spray. And for terrain, it's kind of the same thing. You can just go back, particularly for plants I've found, if you hit them with a little bit of, of doling spray is really nice. Or if you, if you want to, sometimes you can hit some of those plants with like a quick shade um, and do a little dry brushing if you want to get super fancy and then hit them with a mat. But either way, it will take that shine off and help with that overall effect too. Yep. I will back you up on that statement. When I first started making this tree for our, our club here, and I wasn't thinking about the functionality, you know, to, to Brian's point of being, being able to pop the trees out to put the models in. I made all the pretty, you know, stands of trees and they had these trees in the center because what I I had some uh, I, I cut out a square to go over the tile on, and I put all the trees in the center thinking like yeah, yep that'll you know blocks the center blocks the line of sight well it became a challenge to get a walker or even most of the squad into the <laughs> into the squares <laughs> that I made they're very, very pretty they're all dry brushed and I, I dulled them down with the matte spray and I love them. They're great to take pictures with, but function, you know, wise on the game, it kind of slowed that down. So I, the next round of the trees I made, I started putting trees in the corner. I know a lot of folks just to make like a little small stand and have their tree um, and, you know, put them out there. It doesn't take up the whole square. They just put it in the center where it covers the center dot. And that's great. I mean, there's nothing wrong. With it. Just, I, I guess because I have, those squares already cut. I just plop these squares down. That way, it's so confusing, and we're remembering where they could go. That actually uh, leads me into a really good point, Jared. Um, when you're making your terrain, you know, one of the debates we hear a lot, and I mean a lot, is I can't play with all of the scenery I already have. I can't play dust with that. I, I have to make all this new stuff. It has to be square. It, it has to fit a specific way. Um, and that's actually not the case. It, it's very versatile to throw. I have several hills. I'll throw a hill down on a table, takes up partial squares, and it's really any square that gets touched by that hill, we're going to count that whole square as being on the hill. Uh, a simple, a really quick, just run through of that conversation ahead of time, and knowing what the scenery is gonna, how it's gonna affect, you can now play where you have some models on the edge of a hill and some not, but the whole square still kind of counts as that terrain area, and still get that look and feel and be able to use all the scenery that you already have. It doesn't have to fit exactly within a square by square by square kind of setting if you don't want it to. Yeah, I, I use. Oh, I I use quite a bit of, of my just terrain that I have on, on the gridded mats for that reason. And because I, I like the whole cinematic feel of having 
really cool different terrain on there and it's it, just like you're saying it's just real quickly like hey you know this this hill here or this this building or what have you you know the, the square that it touches it's still that whole square acts as if you know it, it's totally covered or whatever the rule is that makes sense to make it work it's it's not a not a big leap and actually can be really cool because it allows you to bring in stuff that you already have or stuff that you've made for something else and now you can bring that in and incorporate that into a scenario that you are, are making in dust oh yeah 100 percent agree uh i've been playing miniature games for over 25 years and i've got a collection of, of things uh that i still want to play with you know in in dust you know i don't have to remake everything um you know aesthetically some some things are out of place because they're it's you know sci-fi futuristic game or something like that but you know i've got a lot of billboards and hedgerows and things of that nature that will work just fine and 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 brian completely nailed it it's like hey just talk it through play what makes sense you know it doesn't have to start you don't always have to stay in the lines you know yes the squares are there but you know, I said it doesn't have to rule all. And, and there's no reason to, I mean, it, it kind of goes without saying, but there's no reason why you can't mix different types of terrain. I mean, if you have some gridded pieces, maybe you made a gridded bridge that you want to incorporate over the river that you made with the dust Cthulhu statue that you already have with some other laser cut uh, building that you made i mean there's no throw it all on the table i mean if it all works for what you are presenting in in your game and in your scenario use it and so long as you have the communication beforehand of how everything is working it's fine you know it's even in games that are played off of a grid in dust or, or any other games out there the only time i really see people run into issues using terrain is if they didn't fully clarify beforehand uh, and that's just true in any game. If you have train on the board, just kind of quickly go over how it works. And from there, you should solve 90% of your problems beforehand. Yep. And the 10% problems you have to look out for are pieces that are simply too big for the game that you're playing. You know, over the years, we'd be playing a game and there'd be this, we'd be playing on a, on a four by six table and, and then somebody drops a mountain that's two feet across uh, <laughs> in the center of the table that you can't get a, you know, you can't go over and you can't go through it. You have to go around it and it takes you five game turns to get around it. Well, that's not that exciting of a, of a experience. So just be careful on how big I, and this is somebody, this is coming from someone who blows the scale out all the time. Every conversion I've ever done has always been a little too big. I've always given up a bigger target, but the rule of cool took over and said, well, <laughs> that's all right. Be careful when you're, when you're putting those dreams to the table and making them real, that it's still, it, it's still functional. So definitely the rule of cool, you know, um, all of your scenery really should be enhancing your gameplay, enhancing your, the visual look of it and, and really bringing something to the table that, you really want to see more three-dimensional um, uh, or even if you want to use the two-dimensional it's just it's all about your imagination just like painting your figures it, it's it's your personal touch to kind of add something special to the game and uh, I can't stress or agree with Jared enough on the rule of cool not everybody's gonna build a masterpiece first time out right you're gonna learn things as you go 
or my case, you're going to steal not the actual terrain, just the ideas. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to be inspired by other things, you know, from, you know, using the internet, talking to folks. Um, You're going to learn new tricks as you're going to refine and you're going to, you know, figure out what really, really works for you. Terrain is like the third player in the game. You know, as you start to to put some thought into how you want your your scenario, your game space to look, it, it starts telling a story all on its own. You know, you've got you and your buddies, and you're playing, and you're having a great time. But then, like I said, uh, you know, having a a, a well thought out uh, terrain layout just enhances, just really kicks it up a notch. I'm not gonna say it goes to eleven. But it hell, it sure as hell helps. <laughs> so I got another pro tip for you, Jared. Uh, rocks. If you happen to be out and about on a walk, you know, getting a little fresh air, look at a rock. If you are at home and you've got, you know, you're not in a city and you've got some space outside, check out your rocks. Look for a piece of brick that's all broken and jagged. Um, one of the most interesting things I was able to do was to find a, a stone, like more pumice style of a stone. And uh, one of our common materials we use to create scenery with is the insulation foam, you know, the sheets of blue or pink foam that you get at your Home Depot or your Lowe's or whatever your hardware store, you know, is. Uh, and we cut that up and we kind of shape it and we put it all together. Um, but if you want to create like a stonework, um, an actual stone, is really the best tool to use. So you lay out your brickwork. You know, you want to you make a, a wall that's kind of broken and rubble. So you, you take a, a square and you carve all your stone into it, either drawing it in, grooving it with a pen, or using an X-Acto knife carefully to like cut the grooves out. And then you have this like stone wall and you want it to be a little, little rubble so you break the top of it down a little bit so it's all jagged and, and messed up. So it looks like it's kind of broken up but it still is this really like almost shiny smooth surface. That's where your stone comes in. Take your stone and you crush into the foam and you just crush it, beat it, hammer it, whatever you want, both sides and really like jam it up. And then when you're done and you paint it up, as you're dry brushing, you get an automatic texture to your stone that from a distance goes, oh, that's a cool stone wall. Heck yeah, no, I, I can vouch for that one. Uh... Uh, when I first started building my own terrain, instead of just buying, you know, uh, kits or things of that nature, my buddy Josh, we would walk along the railroad tracks and find different rocks to start there. And then and to your point, you know, busted bricks. So, yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on that one. You got to have a good beating rock. well especially you know because we were you know even then we were playing fantasy games so we had made these karens you know for our beastman uh tribes to have you know you know just to build towards the theme so no there no there's a, a there's a lot of hefty dare i say wait you know do that one do that tip yep well, and this is, and it's the other great thing about all that too, right? Is that you're talking about using, creating terrain that you're using. Gosh, I mean, it's 
super cheap to make. I mean, some of that going and getting that type of foam is not expensive. And then you're using a little bit of, you know, you're using a, some elbow grease, a rock, and a little bit of paint at the end of the day. So this is not stuff that's expensive to do, unlike going and purchasing pre-made terrain, which while, yeah, right out of the box is gonna look great, you're gonna spend 400 times, you know, on that versus just making something and with a little bit of work, you can make it look really good. So there's a lot of great options in, in, that you can do very simply. And you really oh, gotta yeah. go with what works for you. You know, I mean, not everybody's going to have a workspace where they can build this stuff or, or have a, a space big enough where they can store the materials because some of the, you know, some of the foam sheets are pretty big when you get them um, and they may not have a lot of that storage space. So, you know, sometimes buying the terrain already ready to go is the way to go. And it really doesn't matter. And all, uh, you know, I, I'll speak for Jared and I'll speak for Nate and I'm sure I speak for most of our team. It, it doesn't matter where your terrain came. It really doesn't. It just, there's so much that it adds to your game um, that we really all advocate using it. Use as much as you can, have a blast with it. The more terrain, the more fun you're gonna have. Yep, and, and I don't wanna get it twisted. I am a big fan of the 2D tile. I've collected the campaign sets from the, uh, from early dust, you know, to now. Um, I use those all the time especially on our casual nights um and sometimes you know it's starting out you know if, if you if it's a new group or you know you're, you're you and your buddy are getting into it and you want you know you know where you want to go but sometimes you got to work with what you got and as you build up and you're ready to start integrating in the new pieces then yeah go nuts have a good time with it there's a lot of resources um now, uh, one of our uh, one of the fans of Dust that loaded up a bunch of 2D images from you know from all kinds of not just you know trees or rocks, but uh, uh, you know trench line and 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 uh, uh, wire fields and just and I think he's got some rivers it, you know, and yeah, rivers I mean, and roads and, and all that kind of stuff in there and, and, uh, and yeah, you know it's it you, you can get that stuff printed up you know and, and put it out there and get hundreds of hours of entertainment out of it. I, I had a handful of pictures of koi ponds that I used for a couple of scenarios. <laughs> oh, that's cool. You know, just in case you don't have a, a case of peaches to crack open. Exactly. It's just more to the point too, which like you, you're going to use, you're going to use either what you have, what you make, what you own. It doesn't really matter. Just the biggest thing is, is use it and find out fun ways to integrate it because you ultimately, this is all, it's all for the purpose of making your gaming experience better. So the best person to know how to make your specific gaming experience better is going to be you. What do you want? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to see? What do you want to put on your battlefields? You know, if you're gaming at home or if you're taking this to the game store to play with friends or if you're putting on an event, all of those things are going to determine what you use, how much of what type of you use, you know, what you're going to buy, what you're going to make. So feel free to, you know, channel, use what you know and what you know is what you want to accomplish. And from there, if you don't know how to accomplish that, go out and seek, you know, hit us up or, or go on YouTube or whatever it is. Uh, but start there. I will say, um, the, you know, let me ask, Nate, what is the 
most what you would consider like low level. Uh, I didn't do any work on it. I grabbed this item and I grabbed that item and I just happened to throw it on the table and that was the scenery that I had that day. Um, and Jared, what could think of a time when you just grabbed some random items laying around you because, you know, for whatever reason, uh, the place where your terrain was being stored was closed and you couldn't get to it. You just wanted to throw a game together. What, what have you used as like just some random off the cuff pieces for a uh, scenery? Well, I've um, styrofoam uh, packaging from like electronics, TVs, things like that. Those have made some pretty fantastic bunkers in the past. Uh, the uh, uh, I took small, you know, I would collect small boxes. I've turned product boxes into terrain where the, the where the models came out of and made little bunkers. You know, it, it, in the sense of with the sharp ruin windows, you know, doors, put Sweet. it down. It's like, you know, there it is. You know, you know, it's a brown box. Now it's a, now it's a, a one by two bunker, you know. Uh, oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Any, any sort of like cheese it box, you know, cut that open and there you go. You have a house. You cut some holes out of it. Yep, you um, can take. I mean, you can just you know, because you find these these, uh, you know, you can take plastic cups, turn them over, right. and now you've got a silo. There was, you know, and, and you can paint it really quick, and if you want, if you you know, if you have the time or the or some of the desire, you know, there's a lot of ways around it, and you can stack. And because I'm old school, we're gonna kick it back analog. VCR. Uh, <laughs> I, I have, I have, I have made walls, and even That's hill what I'm talking about. out of VCR blockbuster cassette. battle. Now, for those who don't, don't know what those are, don't worry about it. <laughs> I had to ride my dinosaur to school back and forth, you know, you know in, in in the olden days. Hey, so uh, I, um, uh, uh, my like crazy off the wall terrain happened at one of our shows. Um, I happened to, it was after dinner. I had just got done eating. I was sitting at a, a random open table. I had my stuff close by and some, I still had my shirt on from our booth and somebody recognized me and had started talking about it. And I asked them if they wanted to try out a game. But I didn't really have any scenery to throw down. And they wanted to, you know, they wanted their question specifically was playing with more 3D scenery. So here's what I did. Uh, I had a box that my sandwich was in and I had my soda and so I also happened to have some chips and some uh, some candy stuff laying around and so we made a bunker with the box um, had the soda uh, cup on the top of it uh, um, the straw with the antenna relay we used a candy bar as a ramp to get up and down it and that was our main so getting to that you know, playing with some starter set armies just to kind of you know, flesh it out for them real quick. We wanted to have a forest and we wanted to have some fence rows. So I popped open a bag of Cheetos and I laid the Cheetos down for fence rows. And then I popped open a bag of Doritos and I actually stood the Doritos up and leaned them together for trees. And we played a game through a Dorito forest and Cheeto fence rows over a cheesesteak uh, Coca-Cola <laughs> antenna array box. Uh, yeah, I did. I saw those pictures. I got that. I got that message. 
Desperate times call for desperate measures. It gets really, it gets really complicated. Uh, line of sight can change throughout the battle as the Doritos start getting eaten. Yeah, but yeah, you know, you got to be careful be about the hunger factor. Yeah, I, I never thought there'd be an attrition factor to the terrain. So, yes. Hey, there was, there was. Uh, got to look out. At Pax, at Pax Unplugged, one of the houses we were staying at, there was a room that had one of those uh, uh, kid uh, city rugs. You know, maybe like a three by three or four by four rug with the little streets and buildings and uh, multiple dump trucks. So uh, we set up a game of capture the rocket ship and miss all the dump trucks. I'm assuming that. You know, yes, we did. You gotta, you gotta just, sometimes you get creative. Sometimes you may have your yeah. models and nothing else. So when push comes to shove, dump out the silverware and fight for the peach. Well, one more tip out there for folks looking to try to find something to add a little something dynamic uh, to the tables is you could probably if you're willing to search for a little while not be in a big hurry but you could, if you could just look at your Facebook mess uh, Facebook marketplace or, or even garage sales around the neighborhood you'll find old toys that you can take the parts off of to make different things or to add to different things to spice it up. Um, part of reclaiming my youth is a lot of the toys that, that my mom sold off at a garage sale <coughs> while I was at school uh, against my will. I've been reclaiming over the years and I've been incorporating into my gaming. Now, now granted, sometimes there might be a scale issue, but you can find all kinds of, inter I mean, the great thing is at garage sales and and in, at the marketplace, they're probably going to be missing parts and, and are broken. They're not going to be pristine and in the package. But that's all right, because if you're making terrains or making ruins or looking for add-ons, you're not going to spend a lot of money doing it. You can do it pretty cheap. Well, and I think that that goes to a good point that Brian could probably hit on if your army gets run over by a truck you could also <laughs> make you turn some of those broken walkers into train pieces as a matter of fact yes you can uh, uh, quick story um, Gen Con a couple years ago uh, we were in the marshalling yard and we just arrived and we were getting ready to park the truck and we were going to back it into its space if we did that all our luggage would be stuck in the back so we took our luggage out and we put it in the marshalling yard, away from the trucks. We didn't want it anywhere near anything that was going to happen to it. Um, and then our driver got in the truck, and our spotter was in the back, waving him through, watching everything, and backing him into place. And, you know, just looking at the spotter through the mirror and kind of watching what was going on. And all of a sudden, there was a bump that was not expected. And as the driver looks up, they saw a, a case that was tall enough to be seen over the front of the truck, just kind of float across the front of the truck out in front. And it was like a, Oh no, what did I just run over? And uh, so at that point there really wasn't much to do. So we just continued to back into place, got out of the truck and the spotter was looking at him like, dude, you, you 
something looks wrong. Are you all right? Like you, you look really messed up. What happened? And he told him, I think I ran over a case and it was an immediate meltdown on everybody. Like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. You were the spotter, but you were the driver, but let's go see. And sure enough, the driver ran over his own figure case. Big giant white tire tread over the case, totally crushed. Um, and inside was a lot of premium uh, dust. Horror of unthinkable horrors. <laughs> and yes, oh. I was that driver. <laughs> I'm gonna. I gotta pour, pour out some Diet Dr Pepper for my homies on that one, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, oh. interestingly enough, like, and that figure case uh, um, was one of the soft cases um, that I had gotten from Battle Foam, and it was a really solid case. Um, and uh, oddly enough, the case really wasn't that damaged in itself. Um, a little bit of zipper trouble, but that was easily fixed up. Uh, some plastic boxes inside, totally shattered, and we're talking like 20-foot truck, and you just rolled right over the top of it. What I had stored in that case was a small army of Luftwaffe. Um, the, uh, uh, what was it, the mortar squad, totally flattened. Um, my walkers, you know, I had a, a high they're, they're walker. Now, they're now casualty markers. They are actually, uh, so yeah, I, um, yeah, totally trashed. And uh, interestingly enough, I will say that was the top layer. The bottom layer was all SSU. And I, I swear to you, and I had people witness it, not a single SSU model was damaged. Not a single one. They all made their damage resilient saves. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Farm boys, they know how to hang in there. <laughs> so... Later that night, we were um, uh, um, one of our Patriots, Bill, was running a, a really awesome event, right? And so we're all, everybody's there playing, and I'm sitting there, and I'm gluing bits and pieces of my Heinrich Walker in a rubble pile on its base. And Paolo walks by, and he's like, oh, Brianno, what happened? And I was like, yeah, you know, no. So we kind of, Greg and I kind of relay the story to him, and he goes, oh, no. And, and I'm like, yeah, you know, it happened. And he... He goes, oh, don't worry. And Greg goes, no, no, ask him again. And he looked at me and I went, yep. And shook my head and he goes, oh, no. <laughs> don't worry, I take care of you. <laughs> but he, he was totally shocked. Like, why would somebody take a premium model and, and smash it with a hammer for a terrain piece? It, it makes no sense. I saw you look him dead in the eye with the Jack Burton and say, we play for keeps. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have nightmares now. <laughs> Damage resilience from the SSU is definitely a real thing. It's real. I'm blown it's away. real. Well, you know, push comes to shove. If nothing else, you incorporate them into your terrain. If it's totally unsalvageable, it makes a really great looking wreck on the table. Yeah, but it's it's a it's an extra extra layer of hurt there when it's premium bits get turned into terrain. <laughs> Woo. Oh, I can tell you, my heart sank. Whoa. Oh yeah, it's, uh, that's a that's a devastation. Well, I think meltdown was the right word because I would probably lost my shit. Pardon my French. <laughs> no, it's it's justified in that situation for sure. So, you know, it's just it's just as important as how you store your miniatures and. And things that you create as well. 
and what you really want to protect to keep at the bottom. The SSU. <laughs> That's right. It's another. It's a whole another reason why you should be playing with damage resilient. Just saying. <laughs> well, there you have it. The takeaways from tonight are the rule of cool, and make sure you play something with damage resilience. You really can't go wrong with those two things. If you're going by the rule of cool, you're going to be fine because you're going to have way more good times than anything else. Can't can't recommend it enough, man. If you're fired up about it and it makes you smile, and you get a good chuckle or good laugh from your friends or even some, you know, admiration, it was totally worth it. Absolutely. Well, Brian, Jared, I super appreciate you guys chatting about this. We had a blast and I'm sure we're going to have other cool ideas to relay to everybody in the future on some of this. So I definitely will want to come back and hit some more terrain talk in the future. Uh, any other closing thoughts? No, absolutely, man. Thank, thank you so much for having us. It was a blast. I really appreciated the, the jog of memory lane here. That was <laughs> well, again, thank you. And I can't help it. It's part of my, my gimmick is finding action items for Gregoire, even though he's not here to defend himself tonight. I think we should probably take some pictures or share some pictures of some of our favorite terrain pieces and have him post them up on Dust USA. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely going to take a shot of some of the stuff that I talked about. When our podcast goes up, we can have some uh, some pictures to go with it. Absolutely. Going, and as always... i got to go to the grocery store this weekend, so I'll be uh, investing in a Dorito Forest. <laughs> <laughs> with the special rule of terrain magically being chopped down that's right may or may not provide cover oh look it's gone well, well there you go guys so elmer's glue cardboard some foam doritos broken miniatures a spoon whatever you got it's what you should use have some fun with it get it into your current into your scenarios Get it on the game board and have a blast. Keep playing Dust. We want to see the pictures of stuff that you guys have made. And as always, if you have anything else you want to hear from us, let us know. We thank you so much for listening, and we can't wait to share some more with you guys. We will see you, and you will hear us next time. There was a turtle by the name of Bert, and Bert the turtle was very alert. When danger threatened him, he never got hurt. He knew just what to do.